Okay, Wolverine just opened on Friday. Wonder how many of you have seen it. Anybody go to see it yet? Okay, way to go, John. Okay, you too, Nate. Super Nate. Uh, yeah, he had lightning speed. He could get there really fast, yeah. So I've not seen it yet. Been too busy since Friday uh, to be able to see it, but I plan to see it as soon as possible. Many of us already know the Wolverine uh, character, know of his uh, past exploits, and maybe through comic books or movies of the past, we know something about him. What, what are the particular powers that the Wolverine has? Somebody? Healing, okay. No matter what they do to him, he, he heals from it. He just somehow comes back. It seems like they finally got him, but he comes back. Anything else? What was that? Yeah, okay, he's very strong, very strong, stronger than anybody goes up against, it seems like, no matter, you know, how mammoth or how strong they may be. What is his main weapon? <laughs> these things come out of his hands, you know, these big blades, and uh, that, that just is part of his mutation that he has there. Is he mortal or immortal? He's immortal, right? Okay, that's why he heals, because nothing can kill him. Uh, and so that plays into this. Now, I'm told that this new movie uh, is, is about Logan, or the Wolverine, struggling with his past. He is, is uh, working through some things. He doesn't even want to be Wolverine anymore. And uh, he remembers many of the things that have happened. He remembers what they did to him. And, and so he just wants to walk away from that if possible. And if possible, he would love to be mortal. Because he struggles with this thing that, that, that as his identity... He goes on when everybody else around him is dying. So he has friends and they die. And he has, uh, you know, co-fighters. You know, they, they fought crime together and they've tried to save the world together and now they die and he keep, continues. He gets married and his wife dies. And, and so it goes on and on and on that he keeps on living while everyone else around him that he cares about is dying. According to an interview that Lucy O'Brien had with a director whose name is James Mangold, uh, she asked him about this, and he says, I really wanted to play into this character and understand him. So I wanted to get inside his heart, inside his head. I wanted to understand what he's feeling. And instead of it just being this, this big comic book movie with all the explosions and all of the, the uh, super graphics and, and uh, special effects, even though there's much of that, there's this storyline beneath it. And it goes into his past and his feelings and his thoughts and the things that he wrestles with in his life. And when she was asking him about the, the movie in this interview, he says one of the most interesting things about Logan is his immortality. The fact that there's this kind of exhaustion that sets in when everyone around you dies. You're here forever. And he says, I remember writing on the back of the script when I was first meeting with Fox about doing this movie, these words, everyone I love will die. And that must have been an overwhelming thought for Logan, for the Wolverine. And so he said, I felt that the saga I wanted was to tell this story about a man who felt in a way as though he is cursed. Everyone he cares about dies. The story of the Wolverine is based on a classic 1982 Claremont Miller Wolverine comic book series. But here is a superhero who is grounded in a strong moral code he knows right from wrong. He knows what he's fighting for. And yet there are these animal instincts that come out that are almost out of control at times. And, and he just gets into the fight and forgets everything else. 
So Logan wishes he could change who he is. He wishes he could change his mortality and immortality. And he seems to be a hero without a purpose, a hero without a mission. At the same time that she was uh, uh, interviewing Mangold, Lucy O'Brien also interviewed Hugh Jackman, who is the guy who plays the Wolverine. He's a 45-year-old actor from Australia. He's been in a lot of different things. He's been in the Wolverine movies for 13 years now. And this is probably going to be his last one. He says, I've got myself in really great shape. I had time to do that. But he says, you know, there's a shelf life to this. (laughs) You can only do this so long. And he knows this is probably the last one. He wants to make it his best one. At the same time, he's been going through kind of an evaluation of his own past and thinking about his life and how he's grown as a person and as an actor and some of the parts that he's had. And recently, he's just had this big part in in Les Mis, Les Miserables, and he plays Jean Valjean in that. And if you have seen that, I was totally shocked. In fact, I watched most of the movie before I realized who it was because he's singing. He doesn't look himself, and he's singing like, that can't be Wolverine, but it was. (laughs) So, So he's matured and developed as an actor during this, but he's also had time to evaluate what has my past been? This is, brings up the idea of the past. Now, that's, that's all well and good for them, but what about us? What is your past? What is your past like? Are you proud of it? Are you ashamed of it? Do you relish it? Would, would you like to forget it? God's Word speaks about our past in several places, and we've already looked at a couple of those, but God wants to tell us that we can overcome that past. We can deal with that past once and for all. And the Apostle Paul knew what that was about. He had had this total transformation. He had been recreated, as Dave put it in the communion meditation, into this new person by the power of God. And he knew uh, about this also through the lives of people that he had shared the good news with. And then he watched God transform them too. Now, he wrote some interesting things for us. And he wrote one of those interesting things in Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like you to follow along as we read that this morning. And if you have your Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter 2, because he he says some things I want you to even underline, if you will, in your Bible this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. In transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now I want you to underline three things. First of all, right at the beginning of that, he says, As for you, you were dead. Never forget that before you became to Christ, before you followed Christ, you were dead. You looked alive. You're still up around breathing, walking, you know, part of the living, but you were already dead in your transgressions and sins, like prisoners on death row. We were all condemned to die because we had failed. We had sinned. We had gone against God. Underline this. All of us also lived among them. No one is exempt. None of us can say, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. 
It's true for everybody in this room. True for anybody that you've ever met in this life. And then he says this, but God, underline that, but God made us alive with Christ. So many times in the Bible, the, the Bible likes to say, this is going on, this is happening, this is going on, but God. If you just found those two words together throughout the Bible, you'd be amazed how many times when God intervenes, when God steps in, it changes everything. You have all these assumptions, you have all of these ideas, you have these conclusions, and but, but God changes all of that. Man has his ways, God has his ways. Uh, Christian referred to Isaiah 55, 8 last week, you know, my ways are not your ways. My plans are not your plans. I got other ideas. So we were dead, we were condemned like men on death row, but by his grace, God is able to defeat our sin, to overcome our sin, to give us a new life in Christ. So that's what I want you to think about this morning. First of all, think about this. We all have a past. We all have a past, and a past we regret. That's the emphasis. You're the best person in this room. You have some things you've done in your life that you wish you hadn't. If you're the best person in your family, you're the best person in your neighborhood, the best person in your office, the best person uh, you know, that you could, could point to around you, and by comparison, you're better than other people. You still have a past that you regret, and you have some things that you've done that you're not, not pleased with, not proud of. Have you acknowledged that? It's a very important step. Very important step for you to confess that. That's what the Bible calls us, confessing our sins to God. And if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John, uh, first, first uh, chapter, verses 8 and 9. Bible calls this confession. It's a powerful step towards the change that you can have in your life. Do you acknowledge your sin? Do you acknowledge that you have that sin? In fact, Romans 3.23, I know everybody has sinned because it says all of us have sinned. All of us has fallen short of the glory of God. So there's no exceptions. And the result of those failures is guilt and sorrow and, and shame. In a word, regret. We regret that. We wish we could change it. We wish we could repair it, but it's there. That's our past. Second thing, our past shapes who we are today. To one degree or another, it shapes us. Now, it could be for good or bad. It could be a past good thing or past negative thing. And it could have affected us positively or negatively, whatever it might have been. Perhaps you've had bad things from your past that still overshadow you, kind of like this weight on your shoulders, and you you can't quite run free of that. You can't break free. You can't get out from under it. Perhaps you've overcome, however, uh, those things of your past that were like that. And you've learned from them. You've actually become stronger because you went through them. And it made you a stronger person. Either way, your past is shaping who you are today. I have a father-in-law named Ken Mead. Many of you know him. Ken's a retired preacher and one of the most positive, exuberant people you will ever meet. I hope that I could keep up with him when he's 78 years old. You know, he's like, he's like the Energizer Bunny, we call him. Uh, but he is this person that is as positive as you can be. But he didn't start out with a positive past. He grew up with his mother dying when he was very little. And his father remarried a woman that they never got along together, the, the Ken and his stepmom. She was harsh. She was uh, difficult. She was always on him. And so every time as a little boy he could, he escaped and went down the street to Grandma's house. 
And often he would stay with there, her for night after night because it was too difficult to be in the house with that woman. But he ultimately decided he was going to find a way that he was going to make something positive in his life by God's grace. And he was going to get out of the little town of Sweet Valley, Pennsylvania, and he was going to actually go to college. Nobody in his family had ever done that before. And he was going to become a preacher, and he was going to do some good things for God. And he just had this heart that said, I will work at this, I will trust God for this, and it's going to happen. And he was able to overcome a lot of the issues, a lot of the things that had gone on in his life, and became a much stronger person for it. But for some people, the negative things that have happened to them still impact them today. They're, they're, they're vulnerable, they're injured, they're, they're weak, they're carrying around this baggage, we might say it different ways, and they've never found a way to overcome that past. Some people have had traumatic experiences that I never had, and I don't know how you deal with some of those things, but, but they just weigh on them, and they, they keep, keep hammering them, and they, they don't break free of that. Some people have made bad choices, and those choices have consequences that are still playing out today in their lives. You know, they may have been even forgiven, but the consequences are still there. You know, once you did it, you did it, and you pay for that. Uh, some people have started bad habits, and they've got involved in compulsive behaviors, and, and now that controls their life, and they're enslaved to that habit or to that behavior. So our past can be a very hard thing to escape, a very hard thing to overcome. Hugh Jackman played, as I said, Jean Valjean and, and Les Mis. And, and in this, he's a character, if you don't know that story, who is convicted and sent to prison because he simply stole some food so his family could eat. You know, they were desperately poor. His family was hungry. He stole, stole food. He got caught. And he puts in, in, in hard time prison for 20 years. And, and the movie opens with him getting out and getting his life together and trying to, to go on with his life and make something positive of it. But he's, he's being followed and, and his life is being made difficult by his past. And particularly by a, a kind of a policeman figure who is constantly watching him and trying to catch him and, and catch him in, in doing something wrong and getting back into prison and so on. So it's, it, it's, the movie's about all this past stuff and how it affects today. So here's two different characters by the same character or same actor today who is having to realize our past has an impact on our future. What part of your past do you wish you could overcome? What thing happened? What choice did you make? What consequence might still be there? What just, just kind of lingers like a dark cloud over your life? Is there something like that? Because... I don't want that to continue. God doesn't want that to continue. God has something better for you to overcome that, to get past that. You have a past, not all of it's good. I have a past, not all of it's good. And that past somehow shapes us today. But the third point is the most important one. In Christ, we can be set free from that past. In Christ, and only in Christ, can you go on from this point in time. You can be reborn. You can be recreated. You can be transformed. And it says God, who is rich in mercy and love, gives us a second chance. By His grace, He saves us. He makes us alive. He gives us rebirth. Some of the people who have had the most sordid past have been used in the most remarkable ways. Apostle Paul being one of those. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a murderer of Christians. He was hunting down Christians because he thought they were wrong. And God said, what are you doing? You're persecuting me. 
and Jesus confronted him and turned his life around completely. He could do the same thing for you. Now, Logan, in the movie, Wolverine, could not overcome his past. Even with superhuman strength, you know, he's, he's stronger than anybody else around, but he can't, can't deal with the past. He can't change that. At times, he regrets his decisions. At times, he wishes he wasn't immortal so that he could just live a normal life like everyone else. And, and so he's struggling with all of that, and he can't get past that. He can't get beyond that. He doesn't have the power to change it. And in the same way, we can't change our past by ourselves. We may go to therapy. We may go to counseling. We may ask the help of friends. We may take steps that will help us in different ways. But it's really only God that can deal with that past and help us overcome that and leave it behind us so that we can be stronger and better and really live out the life he has in store for us. It is only through Christ that we can be set free and we can only overcome these things through his power. John McNeil uh, tells about a farmer who was out one day and he found this little eagle, young eagle, that had been injured and it couldn't fly. So he captured it and, and he, he brought some uh, medicine to it or whatever he needed to do to try and fix it up, but he realized it needed some time and it really shouldn't be flying because it needed time for the wings to heal and so on. So he brought it back home and he, he tethered it down. He kind of tied down one leg of it so it couldn't fly so it'd have time to heal. Well, he had a bunch of other animals around and, and so he set this... this uh, eagle free out in the barnyard with the chickens. And pretty soon, the eagle's acting like a chicken. He's going around, he's, you know, bobbing his head, he's picking up the grain on the thing, and he's not even thinking about flying. He doesn't even know he can fly anymore. Pretty soon, he thinks he's a chicken. It apparently is, you know, just, just, just really awful, you know. And uh, the healing comes, he takes the, the tether off kind of thing, and he's still just jumping around like a chicken. He thinks he's a chicken. Well, a shepherd comes to visit him. And the shepherd lives up in the high hills where the eagles are, and he says, that's not right, you know. We need to do something about that. So they go over and they take this eagle, and they put him up on a high wall there near the barn. And for the first time in a long time, the eagle can see this landscape around him. He can see, you know, and he remembers there's more to this. And so he comes off that wall, and he starts flying. And pretty soon he's soaring off into the distance, higher and higher and higher. He's finally an eagle again. Now, God wants you to be an eagle, not a chicken. <laughs> and God knows that you're supposed to soar. God knows that there is a plan for your life that is much greater than just pecking around at the corn in the barnyard. <laughs> but there is something he wants you to do with your life. And so we need to be let go by his power. I want to encourage you this morning to do two things. First of all, don't look back. Don't let your past dictate who you are today, what you can do today. Don't look back because God has something ahead of you. Remember at the beginning of the service, we talked about Paul's words to the Philippians. He says, forgetting what is behind and looking ahead, I press on toward that which God has called me to, what God wants for my life. Secondly, don't look back. Look into the face of Jesus Christ because there's your answer. There's, there's a solution for your life and mine. He alone can deliver you from your past. He alone has paid for your sins. And he alone has the, has the power to transform your life, to recreate your life, to rebirth you so that you can have the second chance that you desire. And you can break free. You can be set free. I want to take just a moment this morning... Uh, would you just bow your head?
and probably no one else will see, and I'll just see hands go up. I ain't going to you know, pay attention to who it is. But I want to ask you something. If there is something in your past, something in your past that you regret deeply, and it has never really been dealt with, you've never overcome it, it still lingers, it still hangs over you, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Yeah, see, people deal with this stuff. It's tough. Okay, thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? You just have something that you can't break free of. Thank you. Uh, okay, now you can open your eyes again. I just, just want you to know that there are people who raise their hands, and this is a real issue. And maybe if you couldn't acknowledge it, maybe you were afraid to even raise your hand, it's still there. I want you to know that God can break you free of that. He can set you free of that. Mere reform is not enough. Uh, counselors have their place, therapists have their place, preachers have their place, a friend can have their place, but it's really only God that can change your life. And you need to surrender to God, you need to admit your, your faults, your sins, you need to confess that to God, you need to repent of that, be willing to change, be transformed, you know, that's a willingness, and not just sorrow over it, but a desire for change. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ, that he's the one alone that can save you, the only one that can deliver you from your sins, the only one that can correct and, and, and reshape your life as he wants to. You need to be baptized into Christ as an act of obedience, as an act of surrender. That first step, you're saying, God, whatever you want, you know, it's about you now, it's not about me. And then as you're baptized into Christ, you're going to receive the forgiveness of your sins, and you're going to also receive the Spirit of God who's going to come in and help you with the rest of the story, with the rest of the transformation. Because as Paul realized, I forget what's behind, I'm pressing on towards what ahead, he had to do that every day. He had to do that the rest of his life because God was calling him to something different. And it wasn't just a, a quick transformation, even though there was a salvation that was quick, there was this changing of life, this transformation of life that went on into the future as we travel with God and as God works in our lives. So uh, what we're talking about here today is very real and very powerful, very profound for every one of us. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a song called Amazing Grace, and it has these words in there, my chains are gone. And uh, I want you in that moment, if you will, uh, to respond to God and, and put your faith in God if you've never done that. And we're going to give you the opportunity for anybody that's here today that's not experienced that, I pray that they will do that before they leave. Because it begins with a decision. It begins with confessing who we are, confessing our past, confessing all the mistakes we've made, the sins of our lives, acknowledging that before you in humility. It continues as we repent of that. It continues as we put our trust and our faith in Jesus to save us from our sins. It continues as we were baptized into Christ so that we can have our sins forgiven by your grace and so that we can have your Holy Spirit that will guide us and help us and encourage us and strengthen us to make this total transformation through you. Uh, it is by your grace that we are saved, nothing that we could do. And yet you ask us to acknowledge that, to humble ourselves before you. If someone is here ready to do that today, I pray that you would stir their heart and help them to make that decision today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to